most first-time moms go past their due date. Most first-time moms have really long labor. So I just kept repeating that in my head. So the night before I started feeling stronger, Braxton Hicks, and I told my husband, I kind of joked, we were going to bed. It was probably 10 PM. And I joked, I was like, Hey, so like, I might wake you up in the middle of the night and be in labor. And he got this look like, Oh my God, is it happening? Are you in labor? And I was like, no, but like things feel a little different. Like I feel a little like I don't want to say cramps, but you know, when your period is just about to start and you start to feel a little achy. You're listening to the mommy labor nurse podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Happy Monday, you guys, and oh my goodness, do I have a birth story for you this week. (laughs) This week on the MLN Podcast, I am sharing a twin birth story, but not the kind of twin birth story that you were thinking of. No, this mom, or should I say moms, were not pregnant with twins. I had Sierra and Haley on the podcast this week, and they are twins. Yeah. Okay. So let me explain. Sierra and Haley are identical twin sisters who had their first babies born within one week of each other. You guys, how crazy is that? And hold on to your hats. These stories are wild. (laughs) I don't want to spoil the episode too much for you guys, but let's just say that this episode may have been longer than both of their labors combined. (laughs) Okay. Let's get into the episode. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Sierra and Haley. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I think you are... I've had a couple episodes where I've had two guests and it's been three of us. I don't think I've ever had three, so it's been four of us on the podcast. But I think you're you're like the third or fourth episode now with like a three-guest episode. So thank you guys for joining me today. I want you to introduce yourselves individually. So Sierra, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Sierra and I am the mom of a one and a half year old girl named Cora. I currently live in Ventura with my husband, Sean, our French bulldog, Cami. I work as a marketing manager for a company called Primal Kitchen. And in our free time, we love to go to the beach, surf, cook. And I also love listening to Birth Story podcasts, including your nurse podcast. <laughs> love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, Haley, who are you and how are you related to Sierra? So I am Sierra's identical twin sister. I also have an almost one and a half year old son, Patrick. He was born just a week after Cora. And like Sierra, I'm originally from California, but my husband and I both, we moved with our son to Denver, Colorado last year. So this is my first winter dealing with snow and all that good stuff. That's probably like something that you're totally not used to. And like, it was probably such a, like, almost like a culture shock going from California to Denver. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We love it. We love to ski. My husband loves to snowboard. So yeah, definitely a culture shock. It's fun. We both work for a major U.S. airline. I'm a flight attendant and my husband's a pilot. So that's how we met. Oh, very cute. Okay. All right. Well, Sierra, you mentioned that you'd love to listen to uh, birth stories. So today we are going to hear from both of you, your birth stories. If anybody can guess, you said both of your children's ages, so they were born, you know, around the same time. So there's going to be some of that talk. But 
Sierra, if you want to go ahead and start, uh, usually what I have people do is kind of go back to the beginning when you found out you were pregnant, talk about that, then talk about your pregnancy, and then we can get into your birth story. Yeah, sure. Well, both my sister and I had exciting labors and births and fairly similar. Um, so you'll see some similarities and some differences. So I'll get into it. Well, my husband and I, we've been together about 10 years now. I don't know how time gone by that fast, but we got married about uh, three and a half years ago. And we always thought, okay, you know, we'll have kids eventually, but we're like, okay, we couldn't quite decide when that time was. And we set an approximate date of, you know, after my sister's wedding, Haley's. So, you know, that time was approaching. Um, I had had a history of amenorrhea after getting off the pill back when I was, um, you know, in my early twenties. And so I just had this thought in the back of my head, you know, maybe if we're thinking about having kids in the near future, you know, maybe I should, I should figure out what's going on with my body. So I went off the pill, you know, a month or two went by. I'm like, okay, this is like perfectly normal. I had about three months and it's like, okay, this, you know, I know, I know my body, you know, I take my health really seriously. A woman's cycle is like her fifth vital sign. I'm like, this is just so you know, I came across an amazing book written by, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, Nicola Rinaldi, No Period, Now What. It was so helpful. I changed my eating habits. I did some personal work, some therapy. And, you know, it was a really hard time. I will say like my body felt very broken. I just didn't, I didn't feel like a woman. And six months went by and I got a cycle and I just, I was so excited. So you know, figured that out. Um, you know, I felt normal again. My sister's wedding came and went, it was amazing. And so my husband and I were like, well, okay, are we trying? Are we not? And so we're like, well, you know, okay, you know, no expectations. Let's this. So in November, you know, a month later, my period was late. So, oh my gosh, wow, this happened so fast. You know, I took a pregnancy test, it was negative. Huh, okay. So a few days later, take another test. My period was still late, still negative. So, you know, after a week of my period being late, I got it positive and I was just so excited. So, you know, scheduled an appointment and whatnot. Um, but I, you know, something, something just felt off. You know, I was like, gosh, like my, my cycle is like clockwork became very in tune with my cycle with tracking it. And I was like, it's just so weird that, that it took a week to get a positive test. So anyways, the day before my OB appointment, you know, I started bleeding like, gosh, this doesn't feel good. I know it could have been totally normal and, you know, bleeding got more intense and I ended up having a miscarriage, which, you know, at first I knew it was totally normal, but it, it sort of brought me back to that place of my body feeling broken again. So it actually hit me quite a bit harder than I was expecting to. I told, you know, my sister, she was so incredibly supportive. I mean, we've been close our whole lives. We're twins. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. So I'm sure after that miscarriage, yeah, you probably, you said you kind of, you kind of fell back into that mindset that you were, you know, right after, before getting your period back. And that's totally understandable. And that's very, I think how a lot of people feel that they feel like it's their, all their fault. You know, they had this miscarriage and it's, 99% of the time, there's like, it's nothing that anybody has done. It's just, you know, something's going on with the baby or something, you know, is, is off with your body and that causes the miscarriage. But yeah, I can understand those feelings for sure. It was honestly, you know, in a way I learned so much from it. It was, no, it was an experience. You know, I learned so much about, you know, what to say to someone, you know, going through a tough time if someone's gone through it. And I'd often hear, so many women go through this and that never really made me feel like better, but it, it just sort of, gosh, in a way it made me like sad, like, gosh, there's this whole club of women out there that no one wants to be a part of. Although talking about it, it took me a while to talk about it. I would say even like my daughter now, you know, I, I call her rainbow baby. I don't really talk much about my miscarriage, but I do say, you know, my baby's a rainbow baby and it's a really nice way to honor it without getting you know, too deep into it. And there is a connection that I've had with some, some people and, you know, other women will say, Oh, you know, I have a rainbow baby too. And, or one of my husband's coworkers said, Oh, aren't rainbow babies the best. And it, it's just, 
in that phrasing it in that way um, feels good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love it. Rylan's a rainbow baby as well. I had a miscarriage, you know, six months before him. So I, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. So now getting pregnant again with your daughter, I'm assuming you got pregnant with your daughter. You didn't have another miscarriage after having that first one. So how, what was the time frame looking like that? Right. So we started praying again in January. You know, once I got one cycle, doctor gave me the go ahead. It it happened again, you know, very quickly. Um, Instantly, I was like, you know, terrified. I tried to stay positive. So to add on, um, we also knew, you know, my sister and brother-in-law were, you know, thinking about kids and, you know, we really never came out and said it, but I know we were both, it would be amazing if we had kids around the same time. So I was terrified to tell my sister because, you know, I didn't, I didn't want her to be upset or anything. So my sister is coming to visit. Sean and I are like, gosh, how are we going to, what are we going to do? He's like, you have to tell her. So anyways, I was not around. My sister picks up my phone and because we're twins, she's able to unlock my phone. That's (laughs) funny. I never thought about that, but you're right. (laughs) Right. And so she opens up my Ava app, saw that I was pregnant. She sits me down on says, I have something to tell you I'm pregnant. And I say, Oh my gosh, I'm so relieved. I'm pregnant too. And she says, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And we're both like laughing, crying all at the same time. And it it was, it was just the best. And it was um, such a fun moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So I have an idea. Instead of like Sierra, you telling the whole way through, can we like tag team? Now I want to hear Haley and how Haley like kind of found out and then we can get back to that point. And then you guys can both tell about pregnancies. Is that cool? Okay. Yeah. And then when it gets to like birth, yeah, probably switch back to Sierra. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Actually, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, just a side note too. it, you know, we both found out we were pregnant right before everything shut down with COVID. So pretty much Sierra was my resource to be like, okay, I, I didn't, I only got a phone appointment with my doctor this week. Like, are you feeling this too? Because we were, what, what, our due dates were what, two weeks apart ish, 12 days apart. I, I think closer. I, I thought it was a week apart. Uh, I was October 12th. Okay. I was October 1st. Okay. Yeah. So like 11 days apart. Yeah. So yeah. Any, we would talk all the time about, you know, are you feeling this? And luckily we both had pretty similar pregnancies, but okay. So my husband and I, we got married in September and Sierra touched on experiencing amenorrhea after she stopped birth control when we were, you were in your twenties, I think. Okay. So I was on birth control from probably the time I was about 16, 17, and I never went off of it. I switched between a few different brands a few times, but until I was almost 31, I was on the pill the whole time. So I was a little terrified that I would also experience some sort of post-pill amenorrhea. So a year, about a year before my husband and I got married, I told him what my sister went through and I was like, I'm just going to go off of it. Let's just see what happens. You know, we'll use a backup method. So my cycle came back almost exactly five weeks later. So I was like, okay, I'm good. And my cycle was, it was a little off. It wasn't extremely irregular. I saw two different OBs during the time. Neither one was super concerned, but my cycle was anywhere from like 27 days, I remember up to 38. So kind of, kind of irregular, but, um, I had a few different ultrasounds, everything else checked out. Great. My hormone levels look great, but I was like, this is kind of weird. And I don't know if it had something slightly to do with my job. I know like nurses that work night shift or other shift type workers that work weird hours you know, it can definitely affect your menstrual cycle. So in the back of my mind, I was like, I wonder if it's because, you know, regularly I worked red eyes and flights that, you know, I was skipping a night of sleep. So I wasn't sure if it had to do with my job working night shifts, sometimes red eyes, 
And I talked to other flight attendants and I did talk to a few that told me similar stories. You know, my husband and I tried for a year. My doctor recommended that I switch to daytime flying normal hours and boom, all of a sudden I was pregnant. So I kind of had that thought in the back of my mind. So we started trying the month we got married and nothing happened the first few months. And I was like, okay, like we're both, you know, healthy. I'm young. Like it's totally normal for it to take up to six months by month four. I was getting a little bit discouraged. I was like, I wonder if something's going on. So I went and saw my OB and it's kind of funny because then a a month later I did get pregnant and she kind of joked, like, sometimes you just have to scare your body into exactly pregnant. Yeah, exactly. That happens all the dang time. Like you're like, I don't think this, I think there's something going on. And then like literally the next month you're pregnant. Yeah. So everything checked out. She was a little concerned about my irregular cycles, but she was like, you know, they're not, they're not extremely irregular and everything else looks good. So she was like, you know, if this is still the case in a few months, come back, well, we can check some other things. So yeah, Sierra and I both got pregnant in January. And it's so funny because everyone their first question is, oh my gosh, you guys plan this. And you know, we always say as much as you can plan a pregnancy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, totally. Totally. Well, that is awesome. Okay. So I want to hear how both of your pregnancies were. If you had any like really crazy things happen, morning sickness, bleeding, like, you know, any complications or anything. So Haley, why don't you go first since you, since we're already, you know, you just found out you're pregnant. Yeah. So I, had a fairly easy first trimester. Sierra and I would both joke like, oh man, it feels like I have a hangover. <laughs> I just feel hungover every day. Yes. So, you know, I'd wake up and want to eat just carbs immediately. Uh, I was really lucky. I never threw up. I just had that, you know, slight nauseous, fatigue, tired feeling the whole first trimester. My second trimester, you know, got even better and easier. And my third trimester, I think looking back was probably the hardest for me. Uh, I remember telling Sierra like, man, why does every, why does every woman complain about the first trimester? Like the third trimester is the hard one. And I had a ton of back pain, ton of hip pain. And I saw a chiropractor my whole pregnancy. I would go at least once or twice a week. And that was the only thing that kept me comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a chiropractor as well with with Ryland. And I think she's just did me real good. I had a lot of tailbone pain and she really fixed that. But yeah, I have, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody saying I went to a chiropractor during my pregnancy and like, you know, I just didn't really like it. Like it's, I've hear rave reviews. Like everybody's always so passionate about the chiropractor. So (laughs) I hear you on that. Well, Sierra, okay. Let's talk about your pregnancy. Any complications, anything, you know, crazy, crazy that went on? My sister and I had pretty similar pregnancies, you know, a little bit of nausea, tired beginning. Um, Although I feel really lucky I was able to stay really active. I would say my biggest complaint was most of my pregnancy, my feet were super swollen and they would get like this achy feeling. And, you know, luckily we live by the beach. And so I did a ton of swimming thing. I had to kind of stop that about halfway through. Also, my doctor didn't really like the idea of me surfing. So yeah, I guess is it may is it a contact sport? I guess maybe like the wave can really hit your belly. I I guess I can understand that. Yeah. 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 So I did, did a ton of swimming, which was great. Just sticking my feet in the cold ocean made them feel so much better. And I would say from probably about 25 weeks on, I had Braxton Hicks contractions all the time. You know, never painful, but they just were annoying. You know, I did start to get used to them, but I would say besides that, you know, that was about the only things that were significant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that sounds pretty good. Like, you know, you guys had pretty, pretty decent pregnancies, I would say. So let's move into birth stories. So Sierra, if you want to go first and I, usually what I have people do is kind of, I want to hear about the events, you know, 
surrounding the days like of your birth, like kind of leading up, what, what were you doing? Did your water break? Did you start having contractions? Like, let's just go right into it. Yeah, sure. So from the get-go, you know, I'd always envisioned I wanted a hospital birth with an OBGYN and a doula. You know, I knew a little bit about doulas, but in my mind, I was like, I'm having a doula. I found a great OBGYN, Dr. Melissa Drake. My sister-in-law recommended her. And then in a roundabout way, I found my doula, Anastasia Stone. They're actually both like best friends and they also work together. So that was wonderful, but it was interesting how I found them separately. So I just felt very supported, um, you know, and very confident with my birth team. You know, my game plan was thinking about birth um, was to view it like running a marathon. You know, it was going to be eight hours at the minimum. Um, I've only one run one half marathon in my entire life. And it was the longest, uh, most uncomfortable experience. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be like that. So I just knew, you know, I'm going to distract myself. I'm not going to acknowledge, you know, labor's happening. I know my personality. And if I were to look at the clock or time contractions, you know, I would get frustrated. And so I just obviously trusted my doula. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be in touch with you. You'll tell me when to go to the hospital. She's like, that's a great game plan. She taught us birth classes. I just felt really confident. So a funny part of this is after all the birth classes, talking to our doula, Sean says, so right when you have your first contraction, that's when we should go to the hospital. And I just, absolutely not. No, that, no. So it's not how it works. <laughs> let's go, let's go back a little bit. We got to review some stuff here. <laughs> Are you just not in the birth classes? Yeah. And, you know, I had it in my mind that I wanted a birth without an epidural. Um, but I was going to stay open-minded. I'd never been through birth before, so I had no hard set rules. So it was I, at the end of my pregnancy, I was had my 38 week appointment. I think I was just a little over 38 weeks and I see my doctor and she's like, okay, you're two centimeters dilated. You know, this is great. Is it okay that I text Anastasia? And I, I thought that was cute. I'm like, yeah, it's totally okay. I appreciate you asking. And she's like, oh, you know, I bet, I bet this baby's going to be here, you know, before the weekend and is over. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I left the appointment and said, you know, see you soon. So I get home and I, you know, had been trying to wrap up things with work. And I was like, okay, really, really got to wrap up things with work that whole week, every day, kept wrapping things up, kept trying to get things done. Just everything else. Every night, Sean and I would go to bed and we're like, okay, maybe tonight's the night. And we'd wake up the next morning. Nope didn't happen. So that Wednesday, my feet got super swollen. Like I felt like I had Flintstone feet. So I took my blood pressure, called my doula, called my doctor. Um, I, I ended up being fine. Um, you know, just said to rest and elevate my feet. I saw my doctor the following Friday, I was 39 weeks, a few days. And she's like, gosh, I'm surprised to see you. I thought this baby was going to be here by now. I'm like, nope, she's still cooking. So she checked me. I was four centimeters dilated. And if I wanted a membrane sweep and I was like, you know, no, this baby knows when she wants to come. And so that, that was about like, I think it was like 11, 11 AM or so. So I texted my doula and, you know, told her that, and she texted me back, wow, you're going to start labor almost halfway there. And in my mind, I knew, okay, you get to 10 centimeters, but I just, I guess I just didn't really grasp like how far along four centimeters really was. And, you know, I heard stories, you know, oh, I walked around for a week at five centimeters and okay. So anyways, the day, you know, starts to end. And I recall, you know, talking to my mom on the phone and I was like, you know, I'm just kind of tired. You know, my due date is next week on Wednesday. You know, if this baby's not here by Monday, I'm just going to call HR and tell them I'm, I'm done. You know, I work remotely from home. And so, you know, I'm at a, I'm on a computer. My job really isn't that intense, but I, I was just getting tired. So I made the call, you know, wrapped up for the day, you know, went for a beach walk with my dog. I watched my husband surf. We made dinner. I put together a lamp for the baby's room, like just trying to get everything all set. So then I just, I felt like I finally relaxed. I sat down to watch some TV. This was about like 1030 at night. So right around 1045, I felt some cramps and they weren't painful at all. I just was like, these are stronger Braxton Hicks contractions. I went to go brush my teeth and then, you know, get into bed. 
And I felt one contraction. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, that was a contraction. This is happening. So I texted my doula. I said, I think I'm in labor. I'm going to go get some rest. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that is pretty much where the story starts to get pretty wild. Uh, So then I had my second contraction. And I was like, okay, this is really happening. So I went into our kitchen to get some water. I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to crawl into bed. I'm going to get some rest. Um, I just gotten some water and the third contraction hit and I'm leaning over our kitchen counter and Sean is right there. And he did remember some stuff from the birth class. So he asked me, can you talk and can you walk? I told him (laughs) very strongly to shut up. (laughs) He just got this look his face. She can't walk. So pretty much by that third contraction, I felt like I'd been hit by a train. You know, I was so out of it. I went into like this labor la la land immediately. I felt like I had to throw up. Um, I went and threw up. I went to the bathroom after that. I was like, gosh, I need a shower so badly. I, after that, I needed to. So I'm in the shower and the water did feel quite a bit better. That's what, you know, everyone talks about. Um, although it didn't make me feel that much better. Every time a contraction hit, I was on the floor of the shower on my hands and knees. Finally, Sean comes in and is just like, Sierra, we need to go. He's trying to be so sweet because he knows that I hate to be rushed. Um, but he's just like, we've, we've got to go, we've got to go to the hospital. And in my head, I just kept thinking, you know, how can I go through this for another eight hours? Like, this is, this is going to be insane. If I have eight hours of what I'm feeling right now, like I'm getting that epidural if I have eight hours. So, you know, still not timing contractions, you know, I'm still not acknowledging that really, I mean, I knew this was happening, but I was like, I just kept wanting to, I just had it in my head. I'm going to push it out of my head. You know, me, if I'm not acknowledging that this is happening. So then I get out of the shower John gets me dressed. I couldn't even myself. And he starts timing my contractions because he's like, we've got to time them. So my contractions were lasting about four and a half minutes, one minute apart. And I think the app told us to go to the hospital it's like a built-in feature, I guess, that it's like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> These are a little too close and a little too long. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, looking back at like, you know, the timing, that's about normal when you should go to the hospital, right? Or 511 or something like, or for an hour. But see, I mean, this, by this time, I mean, I think it was probably you know, this was maybe about like 1130, 1145 at night. So this had only been, it had only been an hour maybe since my very first contraction. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's normal. You know, that's that four, you, you're at that 411. And what I always tell people is the 411 kind of rely on it loosely, you know, sometimes with first time moms, they're at that 411, but they're not really in active labor yet. And then for other moms, they never really even, they might not even get to the 411. Their contractions might be so intense at five minutes apart that it's, you know, irrelevant. So I always say use it as a loose, you know, kind of guideline. But yeah, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you were, you were already pretty deep, deep into active labor before you were at that 411. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, after throwing, yeah, we actually have this amazing picture that Sean sent to our, our doctor and our doula the next day, because I forgot a part after I get out of the shower, I was convinced I did not want to show up to the hospital with wet hair because I would get cold. So I had to blow dry my hair. He has this picture of me. I didn't even know. And both my doctor and my doula looked at that and they're like, oh yeah, that's a woman in transition right there. Like, we all got a good laugh about that. So luckily Sean was in touch with our doula. Um, you know, she, she understood what was happening and she hightailed it, you know, to the hospital. Um, we had actually a 30 minute drive to the hospital because I happened to see an OBGYN, not that close to me. I didn't think much of it. You know, I thought I'm a first time mom, I'll have plenty of time to get to the hospital. Um, so that was the worst car ride of my entire life. We got in the car and things just 
progressed even more. You know, it was so painful. I was pinching myself. I was hitting the side of my car door to balance out the pain. I was on the phone with Anastasia, my doula. She was helping me breathe. We're about halfway to the hospital. I remember because we were looking at the signs and I knew that the town we were passing through and in the middle of a contraction, my body feels, I just, everything in my body wants to push. And you were only halfway to the hospital? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I can only imagine what was going through Sean's head at that moment um, because in our birth class, our doula had showed us a a video of a woman giving birth in the car. Um, Mind you, this was like a mom. It was her third baby. I... I just was like, this doesn't happen to first time moms. First time moms do not have babies in the car. But then in my mind, I was like, wow, I'm that mom. I'm about to have my baby in the car. I mean, my body wanted to push this baby out. It was uncontrollable. Luckily I was on the phone. My doula was coaching me through breathing. I mean, that was just the best thing. So we make it to the hospital. Um, Luckily they, they knew we were coming. We called them. I just so vividly remember checking in at the front desk. I'm like handing them my paperwork and shaking. They get me into a wheelchair. They did everything as they possibly could, but it just was, it was terrible. All I wanted was in a, like in a safe space because the whole time I just was like terrified that I was going to have my baby right then and there where I was. And I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not in a safe space right now. I'm not in a labor and delivery room. I'm not laying down on a bed. So I just remember like heaving myself out of this wheelchair onto the bed. My doula, she takes my clothes off, my shoes off. She has a great relationship with all the nurses there. She, she knew who was working, calls for the head nurse, you know, gets me a washcloth for my eyes, helps me to breathe. I was totally panicking at this point, like hyperventilating breathing. And so luckily she was right there holding my hand. Sean was there too, obviously, but my doula really truly was there for me in those moments. I mean, like they're trained to do, they, they know this, this is their world. And in between contractions, I had a bit of a sense of humor. I remember looking at Anastasia and saying, there's no way I'm getting an epidural, right? <laughs> and she just shook her head. <laughs> and she was well, remember, you wanted to try and do it without it. I was like, oh, I'd give anything for that epidural right now. I asked about the birth tub too, because my hospital had, or not birth tubs, but just a tub to go into. And I'm like, there's no time for that. And she's like, no, there's no time for that either. Um, so luckily my doctor walked right in. I do recall my doula telling me, you know, to not get worried because there are a lot of nurses coming in. She's like, you know, this might be a nurse delivery. There's going to be a lot of people in the room. I really appreciated that. You know, she was talking to me the whole time at that point. I didn't mind how it went. I didn't mind if there were that many people in the room. Um, body was just doing what it needed to do at that point. However, luckily my doctor walked right in She sits down and a contraction hit and my baby's head came out. Then the next contraction, my doula was like, okay, like little, little pushes, little pushes. Although my wanted this baby out with everything it had. And so the next contraction pushed. And at that point, my water broke and it just felt like she flew out um, also to Sean, my husband was kind of standing at my shoulder. He was the one who sprayed with all the amniotic fluid, like head to toe. <laughs> Nobody did. Somehow my, you know, my doctor, my doula, none of the nurses got sprayed. So that was, that was good. Like a champ though. So she was then born at 1.50 AM. So from first contraction to birth was about two hours and 35 minutes for me. Yeah. Wow. Wowzers. Okay. That's a lot. And I'm sure Haley, now still pregnant, you were like hearing this. First of all, okay. So, so did you call Haley immediately or like what? How did you, how did you relay this story to her? Right. So I had this moment as we're headed to postpartum. I'm holding my baby. I'm just 
in shock with everything that happened. And the nurses were just amazing. They were so sweet. And so I was talking to them and saying, you know, my twin sister is pregnant due in about a week. And the three of them, I'll never forget it. They just all three look at each other and they get the same look on their faces. And they're all very serious. And they tell me, you need to call your sister as soon as you can. You need to tell her how your birth went. Likely have a very similar and very fast birth. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right, this one says, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your course. I took the natural course as a first-time mom. I was worried I wouldn't be able to do it or would regret not getting an epidural. Went to the hospital thinking my water had broken. It hadn't, but I was five centimeters, so they admitted me. This was around 7 a.m. After getting to six centimeters, I still wasn't having any contractions. Interesting. So they started me on a low dose of Pitocin. Less than an hour later, I looked at my husband and said, get the nurse, I need to push. Sure enough, I was 10 centimeters and it was time. Wow, for a first time mom, that is that was fast. <laughs> We pushed for less than 30 minutes and she was out. The doctors were amazed with how calm I was and how well my body handled delivery, but it was all because of your course. My husband felt prepared to be my advocate and did a great job telling them not to clip the cord yet because I wanted to delay it. Yay. I recommend your content to everyone I know who is expecting. Oh, that is so sweet. That was a DM I got from Instagram. Well, if you want to check out the course that this mom took, she took Birth It Up, the natural series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the natural series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. All right. So Haley, I'm sure you get this phone call and yeah, let's, let's talk about your birth story now. Yeah. So Cora was born, what was it like one in the morning, Sierra? So I wake up the next day to a text and I'm pretty sure it said like Cora arrived fast and furious last night at one in the morning and like, oh my gosh, we are so overjoyed and exhausted. She is here. She's healthy. She's perfect. And I just like immediately lose it and start crying. And it was like, I need to call my twin sister right now. So, you know, and I, I was like, I literally turned to my husband and I was like, we need to go see them. We need to go see our, our new niece. And he was like, like, don't forget, like you're doing a baby. Yeah. You're also (laughs) pregnant. Don't forget about that. Yeah. The pregnancy hormones get strong at the end. But anyway, so I called Sierra and we talked and yes, she definitely had a bit of a warning for me. And at this point, let's see, I was 37, just about 38 weeks. So I had an appointment with my OBGYN that Monday, my 38 week appointment. And I, I had had an appointment at 36 weeks. And then I also went in, um, at 37, they started to get worried that my son might be a little bit small. So they sent me for a more in-depth ultrasound at 37 weeks. They determined, no, like he's on the smaller side, but you know, you're not at risk of IUGR interuterine growth restriction. So you're good. So I knew he was going to be a little bit smaller, which, you know, I was totally okay with that. I didn't really want to birth a 10 pound baby. So that was actually kind of comforting to hear. So I guess I should talk about my preparation. So because of COVID, so many birth classes were canceled or switched to virtual. So I signed up for an online birth course taught by an OBGYN and I thought it was pretty good at the time. You know, she went into a lot of things regarding different complications and um, a lot regarding different pain medications and C-sections. And I, I feel like the course was really focused on a lot of different like possible interventions. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. I don't remember if she went over natural births or birthing without medication or an epidural. Because like you said, um, in a few other podcasts, I was one of those women that was married to my epidural. There were no ifs, ands, or buts. 
I was getting an epidural. <laughs> I talked to a few friends and everyone I talked to just raved about epidurals. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a high pain tolerance. I am doing it. Like, yeah, I, I'll I don't take need one of those, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just knew like, I don't want to be this woman that is like going to, you know, practically kill herself to give birth naturally. I, and I, I also, during the time that I was pregnant, I had a lot of time off because I, I was really lucky that I got to stop flying right when I was, I think I would had just maybe hit the second trimester. I think I was about 14 weeks. Uh, yeah. COVID hit and it, you know, the, the airline industry kind of took a dive right away and, um, talking with my OBGYN, we decided it was, you know, kind of a scary time to be around a lot of people and germs and potentially flying internationally. So I was really lucky. My, uh, my company let me stop flying pretty early on, which was great. So, you know, I just dove into research and birth classes and reading everything I could. So I, back to the birth class I took, I'm pretty sure I fast forwarded, <laughs> past anything she said regarding natural birth, because it just, it wasn't even on my radar. I, I knew Sierra was considering it, but I was like, you know, maybe down the road, like a second baby, I'll consider it. But I, I pretty darn sure I'm getting that epidural and whatever, whatever other pain medication they offer me, like I'm all for it. So I also had a doula, an amazing doula. Her name is Anissa Cornelius. She's actually in school to become a midwife right now, but she was amazing. And because uh, most birth class, like live birth classes were canceled, she taught birth classes. So she actually came to our home and she taught a birth class for my husband and I, and it was awesome. She did such a good job. And uh, she would always kind of throw in like, if you decide to go the natural route. And I was like, Anissa, I'm getting an epidural, like no ifs, ands, or buts. And she kept saying, well, like, well, just in case, like, just in case you change your mind and you decide to go without an epidural. And I just kept being like, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. And I remember even asking her like what, you know, I wanted to labor at home as long as possible because I knew that she wasn't going to be able to come to the hospital because of COVID rules, uh, but she was going to come to our house and assist at our house until I felt ready to go to the hospital. So she just kept throwing in like, well, just in case. And I was like, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go the natural route. So again, I kind of just wasn't super paying attention to considering anything related to a natural birth. Okay. So back to, you know, Sierra had Cora and at my 38 week appointment, I told my OBGYN what happened. And I was like, so she's my identical twin sister. And I was like, we've had a lot of similarities with our pregnancies. Um, I also started to get a lot of Braxton Hicks, probably, I think it was around the 20, a little after my anatomy scan, probably 22, 24 weeks, Braxton Hicks were just kind of like a regular everyday thing for me. And so I kind of just was like, all right, you know, like practice contractions, like never really thought much of it. My OB was never really concerned. So kind of everything was just normal, normal. Um, so I'm telling her about Sierra and she was like, oh my gosh, wow, that's crazy. She was like, you know, unfortunately there's not, there's not a lot of research on fast or precipitous labor. She was like, we really don't know very much about it. She was like, it's common for second or third time moms or fourth time moms. But she was like, for first time moms, like it's very rare. And, you know, Lisa, you might be able to speak more to this, but it's, it's estimated to be what one or 2%. Yeah. I don't know the exact percentage, but I'll tell you, it definitely does not happen very often. It's much more the opposite where a first time mom is having these 24, 48, like long, long labors. And yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> 
Yeah. So we talked it out and she was like, you know, do you want me to check if you're dilated? And I was like, yes, the more I know, the better. So she checked and I was two centimeters dilated and I believe I was 80% of face. So she was like, your cervix is really thin. You're two centimeters dilated. And I wasn't supposed to have another appointment with her until I hit 40 weeks. And so she said, you know what? I want to see you next week on Monday when you're 39 weeks. So she was like, I'm going to get you scheduled for that. And she was like, if you come into that appointment and she said, if you are a three getting close to a four, she was like, be sure you bring your hospital bag because if you come in and you're anything more than a three, I am sending you straight to the hospital based on what your sister went through. And I was like, really? She was like, you know, the worst thing that can happen is they will send you home. And I was like, okay. So I did not make it to that appointment. So let's see. It was Friday night. And oh, so the whole week I felt like I all of a sudden had way more energy. The third trimester, I just felt I started to feel really fatigued and my back was hurting a lot. And all of a sudden I had more energy and I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to take my dog for a two or three mile walk. Like I'm feeling good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I found out she was at the beach with friends and I was seriously like girl home. Don't go to the beach with friends. Don't leave your home. What are you doing? heard me. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, no, no, you're about to have a baby and you're about to have a very fast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I even went to the beach with friends. We went swimming and yeah, I was feeling, I was feeling so good that week. And Friday night, I totally felt the nesting urge and just felt like I had to tie up a lot of loose ends. Like I had to send a few more forms to my work for maternity leave. And just, you know, I did all the, all the little loose ends and I was really lucky. My husband was actually home at the time. So during COVID he decided to take a leave from work and he went back to school and got his master's in finance degree. And it was a virtual program. So he was actually home the whole time, which was so nice. You know, I didn't have to worry or stress about him being on the other side of the country when I went into labor, which I know any, anyone that's married to a pilot, like there, there's tons of stories of their husband not making it home in time and missing the birth of children. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, that's one of the jobs that, or careers that you think I just didn't think about that. You think about like people who have military spouses and stuff, but yeah, pilots, pilots probably <laughs> miss uh, births quite frequently. Oh yeah. And I know that, you know, he would be able to make it home really, you know, on the first flight, but based on how fast my labors are, you know, that's <laughs> probably wouldn't have made it for this one. So anyways, Friday night, I started to feel much stronger Braxton Hicks. And I just kept calling them that stronger Braxton Hicks. When looking back, those probably were early contractions, but there was no pattern. They weren't frequent. They weren't really timeable. So I didn't really think much of it. And I I knew that like, you know, some women could be experiencing these for you know, days or weeks. And I think too, in my mind, I didn't want to think that my son would arrive early knowing that a lot of women go to their due date or well beyond their due date. And I was, I wasn't even at 39 weeks yet. So I just thought like, okay, don't, don't get anxious, like be prepared to go past your due date. Like I, I still, there were some things with his nursery that I didn't even get done before he was born because I just in my mind I was like he's gonna come after his due date like true denial like just yeah (laughs) because it's you know that's what that's what a lot of birth classes and other people tell you you know most first-time moms go past their due date most first-time moms have really long labor so I just kept repeating that in my head so the night before I started feeling stronger, Braxton Hicks, and I told my husband 
I kind of joked, we were going to bed. It was probably 10 PM. And I joked, I was like, Hey, so like, I might wake you up in the middle of the night and be in labor. And he got this look like, Oh my God, is it happening? Are you in labor? And I was like, no, but like things feel a little different. Like I feel a little like, I don't want to say cramps, but you know, when your period is just about to start and you start to feel a little achy. Yeah. So I started to have that feeling and over the week, I think I had lost my mucus plug. It wasn't extremely evident. It was really slowly. So I was almost like, did I lose my mucus plug? Was that just extra discharge? I'm not quite sure. So I ended up sleeping great. I got up once to go pee, felt practically nothing, slept the whole night, woke up, felt great. And I was like, oh, darn, like maybe I'm not going into labor. So I was almost a little bit disappointed. (laughs) So then uh, I was eating breakfast and it was a Saturday and my husband had a Saturday class. And I remember him asking me, are you still feeling stronger Braxton Hicks? And I was like, yeah, but I was like, it's still kind of the same as last night. He was like, okay. He's like, what are you going to do today? I was like, I'm just going to take our dog for a walk. And then I'm going to go to the grocery store, run some errands. And I remember him saying like, well, don't, don't go, don't walk too far. Like, don't go for one of your three mile walks today. And I was like, okay, fine. So I just went for a little walk in our neighborhood. So I was probably only about two blocks from our house. And I remember sitting on a bench and just thinking like, when are you going to come baby? Like, when, when are you going to decide to come? So I let my dog off the leash and he was kind of running around on the grass. And I remember bending down to go clip his leash on. And I heard a gurgle and a pop and my water broke. And it was a Hollywood movie water breaking. (laughs) It was a huge gush. Was anybody Water. like around that saw no. it? Okay. Okay. Thank goodness. And <laughs> because I would have been mortified, yeah. but you know, tons of moms lived in our neighborhood at the time. So like all of them would have just jumped to help me, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, nobody was around and I was shocked. I was like, it's not supposed to happen like this. You're what? It's, it's supposed to be a trickle. It's not supposed to be a gush like in the movies. <laughs> And I had decided to put on light gray yoga pants for some reason that day. So it was evident by water broke. Like it didn't look like I had peed myself. It had looked like I had dumped a five gallon Gatorade container down my pants. So I, my heart starts pounding and I get my dog on the leash. And I remember there had been one of our neighbors working out in his garage. And that was my biggest concern was I have to walk home past our neighbor and he's going to see me. And I was mortified. So I walked home really quickly. I run upstairs to my husband's office and I'm like panicking. And I was like, my water broke. And he's in the middle of his class. And all of a sudden he just like shuts his computer and he jumps up and he was like, what do we need to do? I was like, well, okay, remember the birth class, the 411. I was like, I'm not even having contractions yet. So I was like, I'm going to call my doula and see what she thinks. And he was like, but Sierra's labor was so fast. Like, we need to go to the hospital now. And I was like, no, I was like, just because hers was fast, mine, it might not be fast. Famous last words. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So... (laughs) So I called my doula and she was like, oh my gosh, I was just emailing you some information I found on precipitous labor based on what your sister went through. So she was like, okay, are you having any contractions? And I was like, no, it just feels like period aches. And she was like, okay. She was like, well, you know, note the time your water broke because that's really important. You can't wait too long. And she was like, if I were you, as soon as contractions start, depending on how far apart they are, but she's like, if they're reasonably close, I would head to the hospital. And she was like, do you want me to start heading to your house so I can help you labor at home? And I was like, no, like, I think I'm okay. And she was like, okay. Cause like, it'll take me 30 minutes to get there. 
in my mind, I just kept thinking it, my labor can't be as fast as Sierra's. Like I haven't even felt a contraction. So this was at 11 AM that my water broke almost on the dot. And I remember everyone telling me they don't let you eat in labor, especially if you've gotten an epidural. So make sure you eat a big meal. So I make my husband DoorDash food for us and the food arrives. I start eating. And I remember when I was eating, I paused and my husband was like, did did you feel a contraction? And I was like, yeah, I think that's what it was. So I made a note of what time it was. And I was like, okay, I guess contractions have started, but it wasn't, I could talk through it. You know, it, it didn't like bring me to my knees. I was like, okay, this is good. Like things are progressing. So my husband calls the hospital and he said, my wife's late water broke. She just barely started having contractions. Should we head in? And they said, well, it's totally up to you, but yeah, you know, if you want to, we can have her checked out, see if we should admit you. And they answered a few other questions for him. So he was like, let's go. We should just go. And I was like, okay, let me finish eating. So (laughs) right before 1 PM, we got in the car to go to the hospital and we had about it was probably only a 20 minute drive, but it was a Saturday afternoon. So there was a little bit of traffic. So I I think the drive probably took about 30 minutes. And I remember sitting in the car and the contractions getting a little bit stronger. And I looked at the clock in the car and I was like, okay, I just had a contraction and it was three minutes from the last one. I was like, wait, the previous two were 10 minutes apart. And I was like, okay, this last one only lasted 30 seconds. And I kept thinking, okay, 411. And I was like, my, I haven't even had contractions for 30 minutes at this point. And I was like, they're not timeable. They're so random. They're not even lasting a minute. So I was like, I think we're good. I think we're okay. So this continued the whole ride to the hospital about two to three minutes apart, but they weren't, they weren't even close to a minute long. So I started to get a little worried, but I was like, they're not a minute long. This is going to be okay. So we get to the hospital and I remember being in the elevator and getting a really strong one. Like it almost brought me down to my knees and we get up into the lobby. And unfortunately we had to wait in the lobby for about probably 20 or 30 minutes. And I just, I remember I couldn't even sit down. It was like, I was kneeling on a chair. And I remember telling my husband, like, they need to get me into a bed. I need, like, I can't, I can't be out here sitting in a lobby. I I want the epidural, man. I told them about this. We need to get back there. Come on, let's go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, they finally get me into triage and they apologize. They're like, so sorry. Like we're understaffed because of COVID and it's a full moon and there's just lots of babies being born right now. And I was like, yeah, so I don't really care about any of that. (laughs) Just get me back. Come on. (laughs) And, um, actually another funny part, my husband and I joke about this. I remember pulling into the, the parking lot of the hospital and, I would always joke like, okay, hubby, like that when I give birth, it's going to be like pushing a football out of my vagina. And <laughs> so that was like our joke. So we're pulling into the parking lot. My husband was like, are you ready for it? Ready to push the football out of your vagina? <laughs> oh, no. I remember turning to him being like, why are you talking about football right now? <laughs> oh, gosh. I was already getting to that point of like getting really angry and irritated. So they finally get me into a bed and the first nurse that comes in before she even checks me, I was like, Hey, so I know epidurals can take a while, like for you to get the anesthesiologist. I was like, I want one, do whatever you have to do to like get that process going. Cause I want one. And she was like, okay, yeah. Like we have to, 
we have to do a lot of stuff beforehand and we have to get your IV. We have to do your COVID test. We have, there's a lot of stuff to do. And she was like, do you want me to check you? I was like, yeah, check me. So she checked me and she was like, oh girl, you're a four. Like, don't worry. We have lots of time. And pretty much told me to like calm down and relax because, you know, in their mind, I was probably going to be there for at least another six hours minimum. Right. So after that, I was like, okay, well, like I want an epidural, however, like whenever I'm going to get it, like I want it. And she was like, okay, got it, girl, you want your epidural. So I remember another nurse coming in and asking us like, how many, like, do you guys want some more pillows? And I was like, I I don't care about pillows right now. And it just, everything was irritating me. And I remember they hooked up the monitor to um, check on baby and check my contractions. And I remember the nurse who had checked me, she was like, how close, how close are your contractions? Were you timing them on your way here? And I was like, ah, I was like, they're really sporadic. Like some of them were 10 minutes apart. Some were five, some were two to three, but I was like, they're only lasting like 30 seconds. And she was a little perplexed. And she was like, okay. She was like, I think your contractions are pretty close together. And I was like, yeah, I was like, they're, they're like sporadic and random. And it, at this point, I start to feel like Sierra said, like you're in labor, la la land. Like I almost started to feel just a little like woozy and out of it. Like almost kind of like I, each contraction, like my brain just got fuzzy and I couldn't hear anything. So like almost kind of like a drug high, I guess, in a sense. So I remember the OB came in and she introduced herself, the hospital that I delivered at, you didn't get the OB that you saw for most of your prenatal appointments. It was kind of whoever was booked to be at the hospital, but she was super nice. We went over my birth plan. I had a few contractions during it. And she was like, you know, do you, do you mind if I check you? I know you were just checked about 10 minutes ago. And I was like, yeah, check me. She checked me and I was six centimeters and this was 10 minutes after they had checked me before and said I was about a four. And so then she asked me, you know, are you, uh, wait, is this your first baby? And I was like, yeah. And another nurse said, okay, wait, this is your first baby. I was like, how many people do I need to tell? Yes, this is my, this is my first baby. And I remember turning to one of my nurses and I was like, can I please get the epidural soon? And she was like, um, yeah. Okay. We're going to try, was, but okay. Yeah. At this point, I still was like, okay, I'm a six. I, I was still in disbelief that I was progressing as fast as I was. And she was like, I'm, I'm going to give you some IV pain medication. She like scrambled and got my IV in. They gave me a little dose of fentanyl and that seemed to last for maybe like five minutes. And then I was like, okay, I feel everything again. So at that point, they wanted to move me to a room back for labor and delivery. And I remember them asking, can you walk? I was like, no, I can't walk. So they're like, we'll get you a wheelchair. I sat up to get in the wheelchair and I had such a massive contraction. I was like, I, I can't get out of this bed. And so the OB and the nurse, they were like really quick thinking. They said, let's just switch the beds. So they wheeled me down the hallway in the same bed, switch the beds out. Pretty much the moment I got into the new room, I was screaming and crying. And I remember turning to the nurse and saying, I'm not getting the epidural. Am I? And she was like, I'm so sorry. And I remember the moment feeling my son come down and I said, I feel my baby coming down. I need to push. I had the urge to push. So I remember saying, don't push, don't push it. And it, you know, they weren't trying to delay me and pushing. It was more just like, oh my gosh, we're not set up yet. So they hustled and they got everything set up so fast and they checked me and I was a 10 and she was like, oh my gosh, you are ready to push. 
the OB had like, she hadn't even left the room from wheeling me down the hall. So everyone was in there and they got everything all set. So that was about 2.45. So I got in the bed at 2 p.m. So pretty much they checked me around 2.10. That's when I was a four. So I went from a four to a 10 in about 20 minutes. So luckily, unlike Sierra's story, I was already in the hospital. I was in a safe bed, but what was just terrifying was I wasn't prepared for everything to happen that fast. You know, I don't know anyone besides my sister that has given birth that fast. So anyways, I start pushing and I pushed for about 25 minutes and then my son was born and I remember it felt good to push, but I remember having this thought there was a really big window in my delivery room and I hate to scare other women, (laughs) but you know, we're honest. And I remember having this thought of either I'm going to have this baby or I'm, I'm going to die. And I, that's what it feels like. I mean, gosh, it is intense. Yeah. Sierra's shaking her head like, "Mm -hmm." yeah. (laughs) Super intense. And I think I had that thought mostly because of just the fear of the unknown. I was not prepared. I had not even remotely prepared for a natural birth at all. And just everything happening so fast just completely catches you off guard. So my son was born and he came out screaming right away and he was super healthy and we did skin to skin right away. And, you know, looking back, it's funny. I tell my husband that I'm like, I don't even remember you being in the room. (laughs) Like I remember you cutting the cord, but I was like, and I remember telling, like he was standing there, I think in shock. And I remember telling him to grab my phone and take photos. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I had this one amazing LD nurse and it was like, you know, she coached me through pushing and she was, her and the OB were the only two people I remember being in the room. And my husband reminded me, actually, uh, he was like, I can't remember how many people were in the room, but he was like, there were a lot, actually. He was like, things happened so fast. He was like, you caught them off guard that a lot of people came in the room. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. That I mean, when a first time mom comes in and she's four centimeters in triage and then she's all of a sudden six centimeters and now complete. Yeah. We're getting some extra people in there. We don't, we don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you guys, this was quite some crazy stories and who would have thought that Sierra, you had this crazy fast labor and then not even, well, you said a week later, not even a week later, Haley, you almost had the exact same experience Thank you guys so much for joining me on this podcast. I am, wow, like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to put this one out. So thank you guys for joining me. Thanks so much, Liesl. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.